but it's funny because I've thought about this for like many, many years, as everyone has, right? Right. But don't people don't execute on it? I guess it's true. So it's uh, it's very fun being here. So and I'll be honest, that was my hang up because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. So if it wasn't the way I wanted to release it, mm-hmm. then I didn't want to do it. Yeah. So instead of trying and building up from the bottom, mm. like a foundation, kind of mm. like in fitness, yeah. I yeah. wanted to start at the top. That's that's never mm. going to happen. No. That's unrealistic. Well, no one is a pro from day one, right? Exactly. So you have to build it up. I'm still learning every day as well. Yeah. Especially in fitness. Like if you think you know it all, man, no way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So yeah. So... Welcome back, guys. This is another episode of Creative Maestro in the beautiful city of Stockholm, Sweden. And I have the honor of being joined by a fitness trainer named Theo. So I apologize initially. I thought because of the H, it was pronounced Theo like it is in America. But shout out to Joanna who connected us. She informed me that it was actually Theo. So Ah, Theo works, to be honest. It's it's not a problem. But I do get that you want to say Theo. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a bad thing that you say, Theo. So I'm fine with it. Pleasure being here, man. Appreciate, Appreciate that. It. Appreciate you making the time. And of out of curiosity, for the audience, could you explain what motivated you and inspired you to get into the fitness industry? Ooh, great question, my friend. So I think it's many like stepping stones, right? Um, I need to start with a little story. I believe that is from my like earlier days, really. Uh, I was still in school. I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, And I remember I just started getting into fitness. I started weight training and I really liked it. So first of all, I started with uh, martial arts. Wow. I got a little bit like tired of it um, and got introduced to the weights, right? And then I got pretty much like, I I liked it a lot, the, the weights. Um, so I started lifting weights and I started waking up really early in the morning before school. And I remember me running super early in the morning with the sun starting to set up. And I remember the thoughts of like, okay, this gotta have a higher purpose as, aside from the fact that I get healthier and I get a lot of like benefits from the running. Right. I was like, okay, this is gonna make some purpose later on in life. So I guess that's where it like took uh that's where the seed was planted i would say is the the right expression um and then i got introduced with a lot of sales after school um a lot of sales within the fitness field right basically so it was first of all with memberships at the gyms uh, and then i realized that i shouldn't be the one selling the memberships i should be the one who makes contact with the people at the gyms so i'm fast forwarding a little bit but i did a lot of sales at two different companies did it for like four years um and then i realized like fuck it okay i'm gonna quit as a salesman and i'm gonna pursue like the coaching part exactly yeah Uh, so that's what i did so i started at a like big pt school i finished uh, not finished i told my boss that i'm gonna quit she understood. I, I said what I was going to do and she was like, that will that suit will fit you perfectly. Um, because at that time when I was working there as a salesman, I was uh, at the same time coaching a few people in the gym. And I also got introduced to a lot of great mentors who even to this day are great mentors for me. 
and I realized like okay this is more of the things I would like to do uh, so she understood I took off I did uh, the schools everything and I started working the day after I finished the school I started working at a gym wow. yeah uh, so that was perfect so the reason was of course the big passion that's the that's the main part but also the emotional part of like what does motivate people what is the what is their why right yeah their why and always start with the why it's super important so i wanted to know that uh, and i started working as a trainer basically and having a lot of different mentors like online you know like when i did the sales things i was obsessed with personal development man it was like even too much i was like shit how am i gonna consume all of this was, you know <laughs> brian tracy it was anton robbins uh jim Rohn, you know all of those guys oh yeah um but i started applying the things that made the most sense for me uh which made me start with the nlp practices which is basically connecting on a emotional level so so uh, neuro linguistic programming yeah i got you thanks right. yeah 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 sorry i should have made that <laughs> clear maybe yeah neuro linguistic programming exactly and even to this day you know i apply it a lot because i want to know the feelings and what is the feelings associated with the goals so usually when i meet the client for the first time and we're going to start training i want to know why do you train why do you want to train super important uh, and really find the why and when we have the why we can start making like smaller goals towards the big goal right so that's super important very important yeah. i would just say anecdotally most fitness trainers don't always ask those questions so i yeah. think that's a brilliant question to ask yeah yeah for sure uh, that's the way it started man and since then i've been just working a lot i guess uh so three years in business as a coach, working full time, done about like 5,000 sessions at least. <laughs> wow. And it's not super much to be honest. It's like a regular work week for me, at least. For me, it's, it's not that massive. Uh, sometimes people are like, okay, I've been 30 years in the industry. For me, the years does not really matter. For me, it's more about what have you done during those years. Uh, and also when you realize that work is play, yes, you just play it all the fucking time. And exactly. You just enjoy yourself. And when you do that, people are noticing it as well. Absolutely. So suddenly they're like, oh shit, this guy has this great energy. What is the secret, secret behind it? And it's so simple. Just have fun. Yes. And when you have fun, the things will figure out themselves, I believe. Uh, you set yourself for a better vibration and that vibration is connected to everything else exactly um, back to Anton Robbins uh, and also why I started with like fitness in the first place um, there's this thing imagine a imagine a cake divided in seven parts mm -hmm. uh, each part is a key component to a fulfilled life ah. uh, one of these parts is the fitness like the training take care of your body take care of your nutrition uh, stress little and and the rest will be better so if you do those things well your relationships will get better hopefully your career your your career will get better 
like all of these parts are related to the training, I believe. Um, and there's only so much focus you can put on each part. So you can never do like 100% of one part. Yeah. It's all connected. Uh, so for me, it's just, it's, it's like breathing, like to train, take care of my body and everything. Uh, it's, it's not weirder than, you know, brushing my teeth or, you know, the basic stuff for me, it's just, it's just a way of life, I guess. Exactly. And that's a very wise mindset to have about something like that. So you and I were talking about this off camera, but usually people want everything at once yeah, instead sure. of, instead of working for it, instead yeah. of starting, you know, starting at the bottom. Yeah, exactly. So you're never pro from day one. Right. That's, that's the way it goes. And also sometimes when people come to me and they're like, okay, I want to get in shape in three months. I, w I have this goal. I want to do this and I want to blah, 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 blah. Usually it's not a problem. We can do it. But the mindset is a little bit wrong there. Yeah. Because the way I think you should perceive it is like, what can I do long term? And this goes the same in like business, in the stock market, in everything. So you have to... You cannot uh, overestimate what you do in three months and underestimate what you can do in three years. So you really have to think long term and everything, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, macro thinking. Sure. Yeah. 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 So that's a big, that's a big key, I believe. Uh, and when you start thinking that way, I believe your why get much more uh, obvious. Yes. Because it's not about this one thing. It's about like long term and what will this do in a few years not in a few weeks you know but i think also that's a, that's a problem with the way like society is right now because Absolutely. everything is like the feedback we expect the feedback to be like this yes uh, so we're sitting we get immediate feedback from everything so we expect the real life to be like that like um, for, by the way thanks instagram and social media for that right <laughs> yeah yeah it is for sure for sure <laughs> But also, there's a lot of good things from it as well. So it's definitely it's yeah. never just bad. I mean, I wouldn't sit here if it wasn't for Instagram, right? So exactly, it's a big thing. A me it's as a big well. Thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's the immediate feedback that's the problem. So people need to be more patient, and they have to really know their why. Always start with that. That's the that's the way all the big companies do it as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the actual product. It is why we do the product. And if the why is super clear, the rest will follow, I believe. It's true. That's the way of life in many ways. It's in a very ways. powerful philosophy. And I think those are the things that people like Aristotle or, you know, Plato were discussing when talking about, you know, what actually makes people get out of bed in the morning. Mm. That, that sure. why, like you said. For sure. So, Tio was actually telling me yesterday about his, and I think it's absolutely brilliant, his philosophy about fitness in general. Could you briefly go over that for the people and just give them a taste of your brilliance? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, what I want to do when I train someone is I want to take them through all the motions there is to a good program, I would say. So, you can't just focus on strength parts you can't just focus on the mobility parts you have to pretty much make up a system that works 
and especially in my field of work when I meet a lot of different clients and if I'm training 40 clients at the moment uh, I need to know exactly what I'm going to do with them but that doesn't mean that it's different the way I train um, Stina 75 or a top round athlete so the system will be the same but it all depends on the way they are like external stress levels previous backgrounds uh, injuries and of course the goals but many times it's about optimizing the body right mm -hmm. so so the way i work is i need to have a, a good system for this so i try to take them through like my fascia release let's loosen up the tensions in the body in the muscles make sure that you can perform later on during the session so that's a big one for me so i usually start with like a general warm-up that's a that's key and that's super simple like okay i want you to roll thousand meters i want you to do it under five minutes that will require a medium level of uh, intensity yeah so it's not like okay i want you to roll as fast as possible it's just a general warm-up super easy or you could jog for five minutes just easy pace you know get the the blood circulation going sure um, then i really want to focus on the myofascial release which is foam rolling uh, usually i use this like um, trigger point ball i guess is the swedish word for it uh, <laughs> uh, like a like a hard tennis ball basically oh, i know what you're talking about the, so the loosen up the knots right yeah, yeah yeah so there's these trigger points trigger points is muscles that are for some reason tense so we want to make them more uh, soft and what uh, muscles are usually that in the body on let's say on average yeah, on average, like the, the standard, the typical I meet is usually from the hips. Mm. Uh, many people sit a lot, like that's the way, back to the way society works, I guess. Right, the sedentary lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. So most of us sit too much and uh, move too little. Yeah. And what tends to happen is that the hips get really, really tense. Usually the hip flexor is a big thing, yeah. which is on the front of the, of the hip. So usually we get to, I get to... Um, open those up a little bit um, inactivity in the glutes big one because if you were to imagine the majority of people who have been working in an office for 30 years they haven't trained anything that's a bad example most people do something but let's imagine they haven't trained anything for 30 years well that that example is very uh, accurate in, in america let's say mm, yeah, yeah for sure for sure so that's much more applicable there applicable uh, there so let's imagine I had a magic wand and I remove the chairs that they're sitting on a standing uh, desk yeah but even that but if I were to do that probably they don't have the the muscular stability and strength to even stand there for more than 30 seconds Wow they don't have the glutes the glute strength to do that which is so weird <laughs> exactly so weird um, and I heard a study, or actually I read a study recently about uh, immortality. Sorry, mm -hmm. mortality. Okay. So I read a study about mortality, and they did the study on 70-year-old people. Um, the test was super simple. So they had the, the task to be on the floor and stand up without using any help. They could use the help of their hands, but not grabbing anything or not you know, holding anything. And it showed that the people who didn't get up 
which was, I don't remember the percentage of it, but it was quite a few who couldn't. And that was showing like a big increase of early death in life. Wow. And that's like the easiest thing, man, to just be able to stand up. And what we need to be able to stand up is strong glute muscles. Uh, mainly, mainly. Uh, so back to the system. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is incorporated in the system yeah, as well. Yeah, it is for sure, for sure. Uh, so we want to make sure that the body is tense. We want to make sure that uh, the trigger points are all, like the body is aligned to do the work which is about to come. Um, so after that, we do the, I do the like primer activation stuff. So I want to make sure that if I'm training legs with you, for example, I want to make sure that you activate the muscles that will be incorporated later in the power or strength phase of the workout. Uh, so a good example for that would be just like um, taking a thick band around your feet, uh, bending your legs a little bit and just walking and do the like band walks. Oh, and this uh, side note, we actually did that yesterday. We did it yesterday, yeah. So How did it feel, my friend? <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was challenging, but it was, it was a good challenge. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Theo definitely put me through my paces. I'm incredibly sore today, but it's a great sore. I, like, I, love, I love feeling this sore. It really brought me back to my training as an athlete, like as a basketball player. Mm -hmm. So yeah. all the plyometrics, yeah. I really love that form of fitness. Cool, cool, cool. And that's what it's all about. So if I want you, uh, for example, our session yesterday, so you did a lot of front squats. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do front squat properly, for me, it's very important that you activate those muscles before. Uh, we did the dynamic stretching, so we opened up the body. We made sure that we uh, loosened some tension in the hips, uh, which is all related to a better range of motion when you perform the front squat. So we got the activation part, we got the dynamic warm-ups, and then we'll go straight up into the strength or the power phase. This will be the tough phase. This is the part where you really feel that it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. But what you get out of it is much more rewarding than the typical, okay, I'm gonna sit in a machine and pump out a few reps. I have no problem with the machines, but I have problem with the way people are using them especially like in Sweden, in the big global gyms. Uh, every gym has some good people who really push themselves and that's super motivating. Uh, seeing people sitting in a leg curl and really you know, crushing out the last reps and you see the struggle in their face, that's perfect. But the vast majority of the people I see and uh, yeah, the, the vast majority of people I see in the gym, they are not pushing themselves as hard as they could. Um, and much like because of that uh, or the reason behind why they don't push themselves as hard is one they don't know how much they can push themselves that's the big one but also they haven't done the proper uh, the proper warm-up for it I so, mean I mean me specifically I know I always struggle with this so I, I appreciate you guiding me through the workout because mm -hmm. it definitely pushed me through and I have to shout out my trainer, Kevin Gordon, because without him being able to help me break through, like as you were saying, that those self-limiting beliefs. Mm. So we're always yeah. going to do the path of least resistance. For sure. For sure. So that's, that's incredibly yeah, important. Yeah. So great preparation to be able to actually perform better at the most important part of the session. That's, that's a big one. That's a big one. And then usually that's the, that's the main system. So we have the 
my fascial release, we have the general warm-up, we have the dynamic stretching, we have the strength and power phase, and then we have either like more of a hit kind of concept. So we've done the strength and power parts. Now we're going to work with uh, more conditioning, mm. right? So that could be tough intervals. For example, in the beginning, uh, when I asked you to do the rowing, for example, like 1K row, I want you to really pace yourself, like just get warm. Yeah. This is not like super hard intervals. But I, I was already to... sweating though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the big, uh, that's what I want you to do. Exactly. Like, that's super important. But it was not like super, super hard because that part is at the end of the workout. Mm -hmm. So when I train, train someone, I want them to really squeeze out like everything at the end. So we've done the most important parts. Uh, I've made sure that someone done a, what is it called? PR. You say that in English. Oh right? yeah, personal PR, record. Yeah. yeah. So I make sure they hit their PRs and they perform really well. But then I want them to really squeeze out like the final energy they have. And now it comes down to like interval training. We could do maybe five rounds of 100 meter sprints on the skier or salt bike, for example. I really love the salt bike, man. It's, uh, it's perfect. Um, you get such big reward from it with the lowest impact. Nice. You could almost compare the assault bike with the, we were talking about the water treadmills before. Exactly. It's pretty much the same when it comes to impact of the body. Nice. So if you were to uh, compare a super hard interval on the assault bike, you get the same reward as you would get from like hill sprints with a, with a parachute oh. if you really push yourself hard. Okay. But the stress levels are much lower on the assault bike. So that means that I can uh, make I can make sure that if I'm training a super athletic guy, or even if I'm training a 75 year old, they can still push themselves hard on the salt bike. So that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, so there's no stress for the knees, nothing. Uh, that's the only problem I would see with like hill sprints. If it's really, uh, how do you say it? Uh, steep. Steep. Yeah. Sorry, man. If it's really steep, you know, it's it could be stressful for the knees, especially if you're not doing the proper warm-up or the proper, I would say, preparation for it. It could be quite stressful on the, on the joints, actually. Oh, yeah. So that's a big thing. And I think for me specifically, and I, I'm sure other people will agree, I think the only form of, let's say, warm-up that I usually do is stretching. Mm. And I'm sure that's probably not enough. So, like, the warm-up we did, that was very enlightening for me. So thank yeah, you for that. No, no worse, man. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, the thing is that... If you do the proper dynamic stretching, the mobility work does not have to be uh, programmed in the same way. So many people, they're going super hard, they go, they're getting very stiff because they're not doing the dynamic warm-up properly. They're not doing the dyna dynamic stretching, they're not uh, loosening up the tensions in the body. So they get more stiff from the training. Right. And then some way, hopefully, they'll compensate it with one yoga class a week or something. That is not enough, man. You need to assess more mobility in your workouts. And if you do a little bit of mobility every session, that's the best. So even though, you know, I could have done much more mobility stuff with you yesterday, but I felt like that's not the goal because I want you to really do the power strength phase properly. So with that short dynamic stretching we did, a few exercises, that's enough because that will make the blood circula circulation going, that will loosen up some tension in the body, 
we're working with the thoracic spine, we're working with hip mobility, and we're doing a few, a few rounds and a few exercises of that, and that's pretty much enough. So first of all, you will get really warm, really sweaty from it, but also you will feel a much better flow later on in the workouts. It's true. I think that's the first thing that really opened my eyes immediately mm -hmm. doing the dynamic stretching. Because mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute. I feel like I could do more now. Like I have yeah. more strength for different movements. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. And it's super simple. Yeah. But most people don't know about it. Because either it's this mindset of, oh, no, I don't do mobility. That's, I don't need that. It's this weird ego thing. Or it's people who are super flexible they're doing only mobility stuff ah. like people doing only yoga for example now don't get me wrong I really like yoga I don't do it that much myself as I maybe should because I know it's a great workout but uh, it has some I would say side effects as well so let's imagine I meet someone who's done only yoga uh, is super flexible but not that strong right so in that sense we need to where I need to make sure that the body gets more strong, right? right. So it's not, not, it's, not more, it's not important to do the mobility stuff anymore because you are too flexible. You need to get stronger. Right. Because that can, can cause issues later on. So you need to find the good balance between mobility and strength, I believe, and make sure that you don't miss out on the cardiovascular work. Um, so if you can fit in a few intervals at the end of the session, that's enough. Many people are like, okay, I'm going to improve my cardio. I need to run. I need to run two miles a week. You don't have to do it. If you go super hard uh, on the assault bike, you do 10 rounds of 30 seconds with like 30 seconds rest and you really push yourself super hard, that's enough. And you will see that it improves. And when you do that long enough and you go out and run, even though you haven't practiced the art of running, you still feel like, okay, I'm at a better level cardiovascular wise. So there's definitely a connection between interval uh, cardio training and regular, um, what is the right word? Not so intensive cardio training. True. Uh, what is it called? Yeah, like low intensity cardio. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's a correlation there for sure. So I tried to grab the big spectra of it. So with the system, first of all, it's easier for me to work that way because I, I have this super clear system. Mm. So when I can apply it to every client I have, it's much easier to follow up on the progress and make sure that they do get progress. Uh, and usually people have done specific workouts the same way for oh, whatever, three to 20 years. And suddenly I get in and change the stimuli and everything changes. So they get like, um, how do you say it? Muscle soreness, right? That's right. the word. Right. So suddenly they're like, okay, I've been doing workouts for 20 years. I've been doing it regularly two, two times a week, but they haven't experienced the muscle soreness that they, that, that they felt from one workout with me. So that's pretty fascinating. So usually you have to change the stimuli. You have to change something. And that's super important. So with, the, with that training system, it's very easy to assess that to the clients I'm training. Uh, and also it's much more fun as a trainer to have a system because if you're just gonna apply the things you learn at the educations, you will just be an open textbook. You need to have your own philosophy. You need to really expand on 
your own way of training, your own way of uh, moving the body, I guess, is the right term. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, because when you really when you really develop the system on your own, uh, it's, it's your thing. And that's super important, I believe. Very much about having this crystal clear pattern of, okay, before we get into a specific specific part of the session, we need to assess a few things. So if someone is, for example, sore somewhere, okay, can we loosen up the muscles there? Ah. Can we, can we make it more fl- flow better later on in the workout? So that's super important. So right. a lot of my fascia release, dynamic stretching, stuff like that. And also when you're done with the final intervals, then you have room to really stretch, come down, chill. Uh, and that's for, that for me is a, is a good workout. So you need to have those parts. Another thing also, I get the question quite often, like, are you training clients the same way? And no, of course not. There's no one size fits no, all model, right? No, no size fits all. And also everyone has different goals. Also, everyone has different backgrounds. And body types. Body types, yeah, everything. But my answer to that would be, I do have a philosophy behind it. And the philosophy is key here. Yes. Because also back to the the schools, like all respect to schools, they're good. Uh, I went uh, at one which is like supposed to be the best in Sweden and stuff like that. Very good, like good for the masses to use. But there's not a philosophy behind it, like the way you should do the training. So for me, one thing that is common when I train people is certain movement patterns, right? So I want to make sure that we get the movement patterns that are necessary uh, in the in the in the in the session. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, if I'm doing a upper body session with someone, I want to make sure that the person is doing at least one press movement. That's uh-huh. super important. Uh, one type of pulling movement, one type of rotational movement, whether it's a core exercise or whatever it is, just to make sure that the spine is moving and we're uh, working with the core, right? Uh, if I were to train the lower body with someone, I would totally make sure that we have one hinge pattern. Uh, hip hinge could be Romanian deadlift. It could be a regular deadlift. Uh, kettlebell swings mm. is a typical like hinge movement pattern. Uh, we do have the bending, which is squats, all different kind of squats. I'm a huge fan of squats, but not necessarily the go super heavy back squat type. It could be one leg squats. It could be, you know, split squats. Uh, Bulgarian split squats is a big one. Oh, me. the Bulgarian, yeah. especially with the weights. Yeah, <laughs> that's super tough. The super yeah. tough. Uh, so I make sure that we get the hinges. I make sure we get the bending and also the lunges. So I want to make sure that the person sets one foot, uh, one leg rather, um, across the other, right? And this is basic shit. This is the things we've been doing like many thousands of years ago, you know, but now with the, with the way civilization is going with the, you know, we're so lazy. Yes. And like the anecdote of like, imagine I'm, I'm on my way to the gym. I've been sitting at a desk from eight in the morning to five in the evening. 
I'm gonna go to the gym though. I need to, you know, celebrate life. I need to celebrate the fact that I can go to a gym, right? So I'm super pumped up. I'm on my way to the gym. What happens? Okay, I sit in a in a queue. Suddenly, everyone is on their way home. Right. So there's huge traffic. I'm waiting in in my car to get to the gym. I get to the gym. It's crowded. I need to wait for the treadmill. But I could just go out and run. You know, it's so easy. So we're so lazy today. And it's, uh, that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, in that way. So we need to, I believe, make sure that we get the primal patterns that we have. And this is like big respect to Paul Cech, one of my like huge mentors. He has the uh, like primal patterns concept figured out. And the primal patterns is just the patterns we've been doing since we were fucking cavemen, you know? Right. And he talks a lot about like uh, lunging and running and rotating and picking something off the floor and making sure we can press something over our head, stuff like that. So for me, the primal patterns is super important. So that's incorporated in the system. Um, So I have my way of doing the sessions. And I want to make sure that uh, the person I'm training is doing the patterns necessary for what I believe is a holistic style of training. Because otherwise we could just sit at a machine and just, you know, count the sets of reps, but not really using our body. Right. And when it really comes down to it, you know, I meet a lot of people and their goal can be super simple. Like I I just want to, you know, feel my body again because I feel super weak I can't play with my grandchildren because my knees hurt. This is basic stuff. Right. So usually it's just, okay, let's get these movement patterns in and let's see what happens. Three months later, they're like, okay, I don't have pain in my knee anymore. Uh, I can move properly. And yeah, it's a totally different human being. And that's just because of the movements that we assessed uh, for that specific person. So that's pretty fascinating, I believe. I agree. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I started back in the days, you know, I was externally rotated with my shoulders. I was naive, younger. I liked to do a lot of biceps and it was fun looking myself in the mirror, you know, shit like that. Get the beach muscles, yeah. right? <laughs> it was, it was a, like ego is a big part of it, especially when you're, you know, 16, 17. You start, oh, of course. You start working out, you know, it's fun. You see results and you start, you know, pump up the muscles, stuff like that. Yeah, like check me out, ladies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's all about the aesthetics there. So. Yeah. Uh, there's no foundation to it and that led to some issues for me nothing I, I couldn't fix which I did fix the more I started educating myself and getting really curious about okay how are we supposed to move right right um, so I started uh, assessing that and started working a lot with like thoracic mobility and hip mobility and working all these uh, postural imbalances that uh, were created by the huge ego of pumping biceps and doing bench pressing in the gym, you know? Exactly. Uh, and there's a lot of people still doing that. And that's not a problem as long as you work on the other parts as well. So I could talk about this for ages, like things to think about to not get these postural imbalances. Right. And some, some like rules or whatever are super easy. Um, so when it comes to these patterns of, of movement, you want to make sure that you pull more than you press, for example. Okay. So you want to make sure that you don't do super much bench pressing, but you don't do horizontal rows or pull-ups. 
because if you do not balance it out, some people even talk about the ratio being two to one. So if you were to do a bench press for three reps, let's say, uh, you want to make sure that you do at least, sorry, did I say reps? I mean sets. Okay. Three sets. You want to make sure that you do six sets of pulling. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And usually when you look at people, most people are a little bit externally rotated forward. So their shoulder blades is a little bit like this and yeah. you know, it doesn't look good. So you need to really open up the chest, get back with the scapula and make sure that the, you know, shoulders are aligned properly. Exactly. Uh, so that's important. Back to the activation part as well. Uh, we did a lot of legs yesterday, but if we were to do more upper body, I would do with the activation drills, like super simple exercise. I would grab you, I would give you a band. Uh, you would hold it and just pull it apart. Uh, super simple. Right. Like pull apart the band, do it 20 reps, three times to really activate the, the lower trapezius muscles because those will stabilize everything later on. That makes so much sense yeah. when you think about it. It's yeah. very simple yeah. just to get that balance yeah. back. And it feels pretty good doing it even without a band. Exactly. So I find myself going like this a lot, yeah, yeah. doing the uh, Iron Man pose. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> so now I'm insanely curious because we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday because I was completely out of breath. Yeah. But how does the nutrition factor into your philosophy of the system super important so we want to treat our body as a temple right uh, typical cliche but it's true because in the end if we put in shit in our body we're gonna feel like shit so it's not even about like the actual aesthetics because some people have a very good metabolism mm. they can get away you know you probably know a few people can eat a lot of junk food yeah. and they never gain weight right exactly so why is that so they have a very good metabolism but that doesn't mean that it's like good for them so they can eat a lot of calories but they should eat the right calories because usually these people get some problems with the big like sugar consumption and the amount of garbage that they put in their body right R right so um, nutrition is a big part super big so if i'm uh, speaking from my own perspective so what i'm doing and have been done been doing for a long time now uh, is the ketogenic diet ah okay so that's um it's bigger in the states to be honest it's a lot of hype about the keto diet in the states in sweden not that much hmm. uh, so people are like no you need carbs to have energy you can't function without eating carbs not necessarily true if you make sure that you get a lot of healthy fats, right? So what I do is I eat shit amount of lots of like avocados, olive oil, uh, nuts. Uh, All delicious, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. I really don't have a problem with it. Uh, make sure that I eat a lot of vegetables, the classic one, of course, like asparagus, broccoli, uh, any kale, kale yeah, yeah kale is a big one kale yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that that's big for me uh and i mean I've, I've done it all man i've experimented i did like a strict vegan diet for like not not that long to be honest i did it for half a year but i did it very strict mm -hmm. uh, i did added eggs sometimes okay but aside from the eggs i did pretty much a strict vegan diet uh, what I experienced was, first of all, I needed to eat a lot of food. And that food gave me a lot of like bloating and, you know, it was weird, man. It, I, had, I had food coma for like two hours after I ate. Wow. So I could, had, like, I could have like a one hour break, ate a big lunch. And then I was like, poof, I want to go to sleep. I feel bloated. 
I get this food coma for because I had to eat so much food because I have this uh, you know I have to eat certain amount of calories to to get my uh, break even right say and it's pretty hard as a vegan so I started thinking about okay I'm gonna switch it up a little bit so I'm gonna uh, remove all the carbs I'm gonna add a lot of healthy fats and a lot of protein yeah so it's a more like fitness style of keto because the traditional keto diet is like 80% fat 5% carbs and 15% protein which is not that much protein so if you're a healthy guy you train a lot you can add a little bit more protein lower the healthy fats but this seems to be working for me I've been doing it for like low carb for like three years and strict keto for like six months okay something like that uh, i feel great i feel great during these three years when i did the, the low carb that was when i realized okay i'm gonna switch it up i'm gonna try the vegan so then uh, automatically what happens when you eat a lot of vegan food is that you get a lot of uh, carbohydrates right and that's not a problem but for me it didn't work for me so it's very different for everyone i believe uh, it is it's true. I did uh, dabble with veganism for a couple of years mm. and, and alkaline veganism. And I, I had the similar uh, feeling and sensations that you had. It's just after a while, it just kind of reached a, a plateau. Yeah. And like you said, you had to eat so much. So you had you have to. And I had to learn this from my uh, physician. Mm-hmm. So when you go vegan, it's essentially especially if you've been a, a lifelong meat eater like I, I mm-hmm. was you have to increase your water consumption because essentially it is because uh, your body's going to go through withdrawals mm-hmm. and your your body's going to treat it as fasting in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. I had to realize those growing pains, if you mm-hmm. will, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And fasting is a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way I do it, I've been doing uh, intermittent fasting for also, I would say, three years. Every now and then, I'm not super strict with it. You know, if I'm... It's Sunday and my friends want to take a brunch. Maybe I'll do it. I've done it a few times. I'm not super strict about it. I don't want to be extreme about it. But I just realized I feel much better when I'm fasted during the mornings. Mm. Uh, even during the, like before lunch. So my best workouts are definitely when I'm in a fasted state. 100%. So I try to really, I usually like start working around 9 I have three clients, then I have a break between like 11 and 2. And that's where I fit in my workout. Mm. Still in a fasted state. And I feel great. Yeah. I feel light, I feel strong, I feel energetic. And then I make sure that since I'm fasting, you know, I have to make sure that I eat a lot of food, right? So my lunch is always huge. <laughs> <laughs> and my dinner is uh, also quite huge since I have two meals a day too. And the classic one is uh, like six meals a day. You need to eat every two hours to get gains and blah, 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 blah. Not necessarily true. Uh, But that's the way I do it. So intermittent fasting for me, big thing. And with the keto, I guess diet is the wrong word, but is after all diet since you uh, exclude some things. I guess that makes it a diet, right? That's the definition, I think. That's fair, yeah. But for me, as as you said yourself, like it's, it's good things that you eat. Like, I love steaks, I like asparagus, I like butter, I like avocados. I can love avocados, that's the best. <laughs> so for me, it's like, it's not a problem. 
of course, like a big bowl of pasta or a big pizza, whatever. That's nice. But I don't feel nice when I eat it. Right. That's the part. Uh, that's the thing I'm talking about. Like these people that eat that all the time. Like, sure, it's not about gaining weight or uh, losing weight, but it's about how do they actually feel. Like, I'm interested about, like, peak performance. What is the optimal diet for, for like, a long, healthy, and energetic life, right? I think everyone's curious about that combination, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And even if you have someone who has a great metabolism but they eat junk, I think that will affect everything. They will get more sluggish. They will not feel as rested. They will probably, it will affect something in terms of, excuse me, in terms of performance. Definitely, yeah. So nutrition is a big part, for sure. Although I do not recommend keto diet to everyone, you need to be very, I would say, I would say self-disciplined to be able to pull it off properly. But uh, I do recommend it to people who, really are ready for it, I guess, to sacrifice the good, the good things like cake and, you know, cinnamon buns. Exactly. All carb foods, basically. But it's worth it, I would say, for sure. It's true. I would definitely put it in the same disciplinary category as veganism Mm. because you have to be very strict and you do have to eat at certain times. You got to make sure you do that. And Sometimes if we have those, let's say, nine to five jobs, it does make it quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) So, yeah, just out of my own curiosity, what are your thoughts on protein powders or, you know, workout powders, supplements and things of that nature? Yeah, well, it certainly fits for some people. Like some people do need it, I believe, if you have a very busy schedule. Let's imagine I'm traveling a lot, right? So I really can't fit my meals properly. Ah. So I'm on the flight. I need to make sure that I get those amounts of proteins. I need to get good nutritional value in my body. So it's a good life hack if you're a very busy individual. But usually if you tend to eat properly, and also timing, that's a big thing. Because many people talk about, okay, what you should eat, pretty much what you should eat and why, but not so much when. Like, okay, when should I eat this? Like, the timing is a big thing. So if you know that the timing will be hard for you, for whatever reason, I myself would recommend, like, a protein powder, for example. But also, there's another, like, uh, you know, two sides of the coin. So, of yeah. course, protein is good, but what kind of protein is it? Exactly. So that's also a big thing. Uh, like, vegan protein, I believe, is probably the best. Now, I don't do that much protein powders myself, but if I would... It would probably be a like vegan type protein powder. Um, so it certainly fits into, how, how, how do I say it? It's good for some people is what I want to say. Right. But it's definitely not a necessity. For sure not. I mean, if you eat properly and you time your meals, uh, you should be fine. But then also there's a lot of uh, other supplements which uh, which are good of course um, so Stockholm winter season it's cold it's dark like get some D vitamins in that's yeah. that's super easy I think and I think that applies to most places in the, yeah. in the winter I feel like that's something that's very uh, it's very underestimated yeah. how how much vitamin D gives benefits to your body yeah for sure for sure and it's so weird because I mean we're not 
we're not supposed to be you know waking up early and it's cold and dark outside and we go out and we sit on a bus or jump in a car and we sit in an office all day and we're supposed to be out in nature getting exposure to the sun and just you know playing and having fun so we're, we're doing a little bit of a it's a sidestep a little bit in the civilization it's very good it's making a lot of opportunities and uh, there's a lot of great things coming out of the way civilization is today but when it comes to the actual body you know we're uh, limiting ourselves in many ways so one thing is the vitamin as we said so that's that's a really good thing uh, if you don't eat that much fish i would say omega-3s super simple thing exactly get these healthy fats going on you know um, and just out of curiosity are you worried at all about the I guess the state of organic fish, because now we, especially in America, we have a lot of fish farms. So a lot of our salmon, unfortunately, is grown on a farm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit tricky, yeah. Um, like Norwegian salmon is supposed to be really good. Top notch, yeah. But also you do not know how it's been processed. Ah. So you cannot make sure that this is like from a farmer who, sends it over and it comes straight to you because that's usually not the way it works unless you know this farmer or this uh, fisherman who makes who got this business right so i think you you shouldn't be like worried about it but you i think you should be aware of it true uh, and make sure that you buy uh, organic if it's possible uh, same goes for meats uh, fortunately we have very good meat in sweden it's supposed to be the best uh, because, for example, I only eat like beef. I don't eat that much. How do you say pork and stuff? I eat mainly beef. Uh, Any uh, poultry like chicken or turkey or sometimes. Uh, back in the days, I ate a lot of chicken, <laughs> but nowadays, like with the keto diet and everything, like chicken is a little bit too lean. That's the thing. Ah. So unless you add a lot of healthy fats to it, it can work. Like if you put a lot of olive oil on it or make sure you eat a big proper avocado to the sides or nuts nuts yeah yeah but the chicken by itself is a little bit too lean ah. and now maybe you think why is that a problem can it be too lean why is it an issue so it's a little bit tricky with the keto diet so the thing is with the keto diet is that you need to make sure that you get uh, 30 grams or less carbs every day net carbs which is very little carbs um, and the problem when you eat too much protein is that the protein can convert to glucose. Ah. And the thing on a ketogenic diet is that you want to avoid all glucose. So the point with the keto diet is that when the body has no glucose, the body will use ketones to get energy. So you switch your energy <coughs> levels from the classic, I eat a lot of carbs and I get energy, to I eat zero carbs but I get my energy from my ketone molecules. Ah. So it's on a molecular level. So the problem with too much protein, if you eat chicken, which is super lean and very high in protein, it can convert to glucose. But if you're not following a ketogenic diet, I mean, chicken is great. It's uh, tasty. It's usually coming from a good source, uh, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I cannot right? guarantee it, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little bit... I'm not sure about chicken. Sometimes it feels like, man, you have no clue what, what has happened with this chicken before. Like, what, what terms was it? But back to meat, it's supposed to be 
meat is supposed to be the best in Sweden. Uh, especially beef, sorry. I meant beef, not meat. Okay. Uh, beef. Uh, and also the thing is that uh, it's better if they eat grass all their life. Grass-fed. So grass-fed beef. Yeah. And that's supposed to be like the standard in Sweden, which is pretty unfair because the way I understand it, like in the States, for example, it's like a luxurious product. If it's only grass-fed, it's much more expensive. It's it, harder to find and stuff like that. It definitely is. So the standard uh, is not grass-fed in, in the States, which leads to a lot of problems, like socioeconomically, like who buys organic meat in the States? It's like a luxury product, the way I understand it. But in Sweden, it's much more better. So that's good. It's true. And even with, you know, the, uh, let's say the restaurant change, yeah. a lot of them, allegedly, let's say, mm. they, uh, they have their farms where they get their meat, but usually the farms are f- with, uh, let's say, a lot of cows in a mm. very compact area. Mm. So then that adds to the, the stress level of the cows. Yeah, sure. And then, you know, the product isn't as, let's say, healthy. Yeah. And that's the, the whole thing about like Kobe beef. Yes. Uh, they're supposed to be very low stress levels. They listen to classical music. They even get massages regularly. Do they really? Yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> oh, okay. Same with uh, the Vaju, you know, the Vaju beef. Yeah. So they're supposed to be living great lives. <laughs> and that supposedly is uh, supposed to uh, affect the quality of the meat, as you said. So, yeah. You haven't heard about that? They get massages. <laughs> I haven't heard about the massages. <laughs> so they're very happy. I <laughs> and then they very peacefully get slaughtered. But they do it in a very peaceful way. So it's not the, it's like they get tranquilized and they get like, uh, I don't know, they get slaughtered uh, very peacefully. I, I've heard <laughs> at least, but it's still a slaughter though. People right. would uh, argue about that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Theo, I just wanted to say thank you for making the time for us and yeah, super fun. educating super fun us about fitness and your philosophy about the system and building the body up from the foundation. We really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it too. Great being here, man. Great being here. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Take care. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too.